Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, where each episode will give you the tools and resources to help your child thrive in school and in life. Please rate and review this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Hello, everyone. So today we're going to talk about three wonderful ways to know if your child is making progress. And if you were listening to me early in the season, the first episode, I was talking about attending my son's individual education plan meeting because I had some concerns with him making progress in school. And, you know, a lot of things came up for me in that conversation. And I just wanted to kind of like really talk about for a moment, how do you know if your child is making progress? What are the things that we are really leaning into? Because remember, this is the season of leaning into things. So the first thing is to ask yourself, what is the expectation that you have for your child? Not what the school is saying, what your child can do. Not what the therapist is saying that your child can do. What is your expectation? And this is why it's important. I actually had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine, and we were discussing how your child is not looked at as an individual. Instead, they're looked at as part of an overarching case study. So you have so many children who have ADHD, and they may have specific learning disorder reading. And based on all the numbers, correlations of data, they've decided that a child with these diagnoses, you know, will only make, let's say, half a year's of progress each year in school. So that is the school's benchmark. To give it a little bit more context, for instance, my oldest son has dyslexia and he was two years behind when he was diagnosed. And when I sat at the IEP meeting, basically the goals that were set, you know, the conversations that we were having, you know, I realized that the school really did not expect him to ever be on grade level, which is what I wanted. And I wanted that for him because he was highly aware that he couldn't read. He was highly aware that he was behind. And it was really affecting his self-esteem. You know, he wouldn't talk. He was withdrawn. So I decided, okay, well, you're going to give him what you think he needs and what progress looks like to you. But for me, that wasn't progress. So I decided, you know, I'm going to do some other things because my son needs to catch up. So that's my oldest. For my youngest child, he's in a private placement, which means that the state is paying for him to attend a special education private school. So I kind of lean back, <laughs> get it, lean back, basically thinking, well, okay, well, you know, they got him because this is their specialty. That's what they do. But not all the time. And that's not to say that the school is not doing their best job. But once again, we have to look at what's acceptable and what's the expectation of the school or the individual or the therapist that your child is working with. So it's good for you to identify what are your expectations? Realistically, you know, what do you think your child's progress should look like? So, you know, that's the first thing that you need to do is figure out what are you looking for? And then from there... That's when you start to really dig in. 
So let's start with the baseline. And if your child has an IEP, you've heard that term thrown around all over the place, okay? (laughs) Baseline, but also current level of academic achievement. So a baseline is the data that provides the starting point for each measurable annual goal. So there must be a baseline data point for every measurable goal on your child's IEP. Basically, what that means, because they'll throw it around like the baseline, basically it means that what is your child's current level of academic achievement? You will see that on an IEP, and that's the very first thing you'll see per goal. And it is a write-up that talks about how your child is performing in any given setting. So from that point, that's how you decide or the team decides what goals your child will accomplish. But in this context, it's important for you to know the baseline so that when you're looking at progress, you actually know where you're starting and you're starting with that baseline. Baseline is on the IEP, but baseline can also be on your child's initial psych evaluation. Your baseline can also be data that you have in your IEP binder. That was your baseline because you want to look at the baseline to figure out, are they making progress? Because that's going to be your point of comparison. The second thing that we look at is the curriculum-based measurement. Yeah, so this is funny. I have been using this, but I did not know that's what it's called. And you may be just like me and have been using it as well. So a curriculum-based measurement is a graph that provides a clear visual representation of an academic performance goal for the school year and your child's progress each time the measurements are taken. It could be academic testing or it could be IEP goals. So the way that I use it, I didn't know this is what it was called, but basically you should be receiving, depending on your state, even though I think all states should be doing this, you should be receiving a graph. So it may be map testing. That's one of the tests that's administered, at least in DC. I've heard other people call park testing, but basically you should be receiving in the mail because usually it's given in the mail. A graph It's usually given twice a year, which is the winter term and the spring term. And the one in the winter term is letting you know where your child is academically based on testing. So the test could say, well, your child is performing at a first grade level for math computations. And it says that for reading, for math, basically it's just those reading, math, And then the breakdown, the subsets within reading and math. So it could be computations. It could be how many words they know. It could be reading levels. But that is what your curriculum-based measurement is. And it usually has the topic and then it's a graph that basically says how your child is performing. The third thing you want to look at is your report cards and your progress reports. Yay! So (laughs) here's the interesting thing about your report cards and your progress reports. You should be getting both of them quarterly. If you are not getting those progress reports, I need you to go out and ask your special education coordinator for them. It is how you're going to measure how your child is doing with their goals. Why is that important? When you're looking at the progress report for your child's goals, they're usually four tiers. So not introduced, just introduced, working on it and progressing. So you want to know exactly where they are because by the time you get to the end of the year, what's happening with those goals? You know, one of the things that can happen if you're not actually receiving your report is you're sitting at your IEP meeting at the end of the year and they're like, oh, we're going to create new goals. Sometimes they're creating new goals, but your child actually has not achieved the goal that was set. So you always want to keep that in mind. 
and report cards. It depends on... Because, <laughs> look, y'all, y'all know these grading systems out here in these streets, they are different. So it depends on the grading system. So I have my son's report card in front of me. So let's go through this thing. So they have academic grading systems, which is number-based. So you have your number five, which is 90 to 100. Number four, 80 to 89. Number three, 70 to 79. Two, 60, 69, and one, 59 and below. And then you have I, which is your incomplete. Then you also have the learning skills. It could be IN independently. It could be LP with limited prompting, which is less than 50% prompting. FP with frequent prompting, more than 50%, and R equals rarely. You could also have an effort grading system, which is one is excellent, two is satisfactory, three needs improvement. And then sometimes you have an effort evaluation, which is class participation, class work completion, homework completion, and citizenship. Now, when we're looking at the report card, what we're looking for is to see throughout the year, where is our child, you know, consistently. So one of the things that I found interesting about private placement report cards is they also do grade levels. And my son's grade levels for reading, writing, and math is below. I asked the school about this when we first started And they were stating that because he's behind, it's below the national average. So I just wanted to let everyone know that because when I saw that below, I was like, wait, hold up, what's going on? Because I'm supposed to be up with my son. (laughs) What are we using? So they're using the national average. I have some other words and feelings about this, but, you know, we'll talk about that another time. So back into the groove of these report cards. You want to see where your child is throughout the year, every quarter. You look at the report card. When it's stating, for instance, my son has, in writing, he has a three, which means that he's performing satisfactorily. Great. Awesome. But what if next report card, he has a two? Now, that two is saying, okay, well, he's not performing successfully. You know, is there other things that we need to look at? But the most important part in this conversation is we're talking about overall progress. So, This is how you incrementally look at it. When you want to look at the overall progress that your child is making, then, of course, anyone who's listening to my show, y'all know I love a good IEP binder, okay? Which is when you have all of your documents. So when you receive that cute little letter and inside it has the CBM graphic inside, you know, you have it in your binder. Your IEP is in the binder. Your report cards and progress report is in the binder. Then what you get to do is you get to read your child's progress like a story. And I'm an advocate that everyone should do this because one of the things of being an advocate for your child is sometimes it seems like we're just like it's an uphill battle and we're grinding out here. But we never actually get to sit down and look at how much progress our child has made. Sometimes your child's making progress. It may not be what you think is ideal, but it also lets you know that you're doing a great job, okay? And one of the things that I had a friend tell me, and it's so funny because she doesn't have any kids, is she was like, your child is like your basketball. You know, your goal is to bounce that ball all the way down to the hoop. What you don't want is someone holding your ball. And I love that. (laughs) I love that saying so much. And this is what I'm talking about when we're talking about ensuring your child's making progress. Is the school holding your ball, man? Or is it bouncing your ball? Even if the ball is not moving in the way that you want it to, even if it's inching down to the hoop, 
You want to make sure that they are consistently have your child bouncing. And one of the major ways that you can tell is to see if they're actually making progress. If they're not, then something is off. And you don't want to wait to the end or, you know, to some shaky point in your child's academic life where you're like, dang, I didn't even know. I didn't see it coming. Right. So those are the three ways. So let's go back over it. Understand what a baseline or the current level of academic achievement your child has. Reading your curriculum-based measurement graphic and reviewing report cards and progress reports. Now, I was going to talk about this, but I can't help it because <laughs> I always want people to know where to go next. So if your child is not making progress in school, what are your next steps? Okay. So first, talk to your child's special education coordinator and voice your concerns. Okay. Let them know that you have concerns. Most likely they'll say, okay, let's call a meeting. Whew, child. If a meeting is called, I need you to go back and review the steps that I've just given you so that you can be prepared, okay? Now, two, ask about alternative intervention programs, but also ask what programs the school's currently using so you can compare the program's advised time uses to your child's ESY, special education or related services, allotted time. So for instance, If the school states they are using a reading intervention program that states the child should use the program five times a week for at least 30 minutes, then your child's reading intervention hours should not be less than 150 hours a week. Now, with that being said, sometimes your child is getting 150 hours, but it may be allotted differently. But this is just something for you to know so that you can address it. We're not living in this space of I'm going to assume. We're not assuming nothing. Okay. So when you, if the meeting is called, ask the question. Just start it off with, I know that you're using this program because you will have asked in advance what program they're using for reading or math intervention. You're going to go look that up, right? And you're going to see what they're saying, how often it's supposed to be used. And you're going to bring it up as a question. Get a firm up with questions, okay? I notice this program is used this amount of hours. I noticed that my child is receiving this many hours of reading intervention. They're not actually matching. So how is he going to make progress? Okay. Then if it is broken up where it's not just like straight up reading intervention, it's broken up in a different way, then they can address that. Third, take your child to an outside provider if you can, because sometimes an outside provider can offer you alternative programs. For example, once again, my little baby son, Xavier, if you've listened to the show, you have heard Xavier speak on the mic. And when we had our last meeting, I was just like, oh, well, my son is currently in fourth grade and you're saying he's reading at second grade and that's not going to work. So I decided to look at other programs that I use for you know, my oldest son. And one of them is a program called ISL, Integrated Listening Systems. And part of that program is to actually have an auditory processing assessment. And lo and behold, what did it be find that he has an auditory processing disorder? That's something that was not diagnosed when he was younger, even though I did take him to get assessed. But apparently, now listen to this, y'all. Depending on the severity of the auditory processing, when they're younger, they do not give them the full battery of tests. So if they're just giving them so many tests and they pass, then they're like, oh, okay, you're good. Now that he is now 10, they gave him the full battery and he has auditory processing. 
which actually makes sense when we went through the report and they basically explained, you know, how he hears things so much, like little things like, you know, we could be in a room and he would tell us we're talking too loud. We're like, but we're not loud. He would tell me he needs me to turn my stuff down. And I'm kind of like, why do I need to turn my TV down or my music down when you're sitting right here and you're on your tablet and it's not that loud? One of the challenges that he has is he can't discern one sound from the other, right? So that's one of the things. But it brought so much context to his experience because when we were going through COVID and lockdown, it was just him, his brother, and I in the house. And we usually are in our own rooms, chilling. And you go from that every day with limited interaction with people to all of a sudden he's back in his space with all of these sounds. And he's being overwhelmed and I couldn't understand what was happening. I'm like, something else is going on. So outside providers, if you can afford them or if you can find one, just to have a backup, you know, always remember that the school's goals is to ensure that your child is able to function in school. I always say, you know, as the show says, we want to make sure as parents that our child is making progress in school and in regular life. So that is one of the reasons why I am an advocate with getting outside providers feedback because they're looking at a whole picture instead of part of a picture. So, oh, man, I know this is a lot. (laughs) Oh, but if you have any questions about anything that I have talked about, please, you know, go to my website, The Parent of Cypher. You can also go to my Instagram and slip into the DMs and ask me a question. I will most definitely answer because like this is my passion for parents and for children. So, of course, this is the cypher, the parenting cypher. And the song that I chose is Invincible by Omni. And hopefully I'm saying that person's name right. But it is from the Spider-Verse soundtrack. And the lyric that hits me the most is, I got to stop feeling invisible and start feeling invincible. Hey, feeling impossible. The hardest thing is believing in your dreams and your child is your dream. And you can never let anyone tell you what your dream can become because it's yours. So stop feeling invisible and start feeling invincible because you got this. And if you want any resources, which I have a bunch of them, check out the website. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please subscribe and go to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. The Parenting Cypher podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and the executive producer, myself, Jeannie Dawkins. Until next time, remember to be patient with yourself and your child.